Hey everyone, as has been the case before, I have a little something to plug on behalf of today's guest. If you're not local to St. Louis, go ahead and mash that 15 second skip button twice and you'll be in just the right place for our conversation. If you are in St. Louis, please listen to this. I'm honored to be able to share with you my conversation with Paige Walden Johnson. There's more to come on Paige and who she is, but for now I want to make sure you're aware of the festival being put on by the nonprofit Paige Runs. The Community Arts Festival and Concert are in their third year this year, 2019, happening on Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th. That's as of this recording in just a few more weeks. The festival isn't just about dance performance, though that's a big part of it. Violence plagues St. Louis. The Community Arts Festival, well, to use their words, unifies the passionate St. Louis arts community and resources with the city's anti-violence efforts. Find out more about the free festival on September 7th and the concert on September 8th at the Intersect Arts Festival at communityartsstl.org or by listening to our conversation, which I would recommend anyway. You may contribute a verse. I'm Josh Munkin, and this is the podcast You May Contribute a Verse, which has a simple mandate to give voice to creators, their struggles, successes, and the stories of their creation. And now, Paige Walden Johnson is a dancer, an Ohio native who has made St. Louis her home. She's the founder and director of the local St. Louis arts, education, violence, remediation, and community unification nonprofit appropriately titled Community Arts St. Louis. The unity is in all caps. As we enter a discussion of what community is and what Paige and her team are hoping to do with the festival, some level setting in history is necessary. We start our chat talking about a woman named Rain Stipek. Rain is a St. Louis dancer and was the victim of a random act of gun violence in February of 2017. She was shot eight times. Rain has since made a great recovery, and I don't want to spoil any of the conversation, but I think I need to in order to give some context to who and what Paige and I talk about. The Community Arts Festival was set up to support Rain and her recovery in the festival's first year, occurring over two weeks in late summer 2017. The planning for this festival started before Rain had even become conscious. The story Paige has to tell about the evolution of the St. Louis arts community's support for Rain's recovery is one of love and dedication, but it's also about recognizing opportunity when it presents itself. There are lessons in there too about being open to change and evolving as the situation evolves. Since the success of the first festival, the community arts infrastructure has grown into something bigger. The coming festival in its third year in 2019 looks quite different. Under the roof of St. Louis's Intersect Arts Theater, there are local art performances, but there are also arts workshops, the Midwest premiere of a documentary on endemic violence called The Sweetest Land, and a Voices Against Violence panel discussion, again intended to connect community and its partner resources to the community it seeks to serve. Community Arts St. Louis focuses on proper communication, education, and healing through the arts. The effort came from tragedy and flourished into a community celebration. One final point before we get into the episode itself. Another audio quality warning in this episode really quick, because computers are fickle and power strips that you think might be plugged in aren't always. Roughly halfway through our conversation, the audio quality drops a bit as we switch to my backup recording device. FYI, my backup device is my phone, and FYI, I always have a backup, no matter what it is, for the tools of your trade. 
Without further ado, here is Paige Walden Johnson's verse. Paige Walden Johnson, thank you for talking to me. Mm, thanks thank for you having. for arranging me uh, this awesome space to sit in and talk to you in what feels like a live podcast with a bunch of ghosts in mm-hmm. this room. Um, <laughs> so the question that I want to lead with is, uh, how is Rain? Rain is thriving. Despite what she's been through, she is back dancing, exceeding all expectations that every doctor basically told her what her life was going to be like. Rain is kind of the inspiration for community. Can you tell some up her story? I know she's probably the best one to tell it, but you, you seem to do a pretty good job of it. Yeah. Um, back on February 16th, 2017, um, after the Super Bowl festivities in Soulard, Rain was walking back to her car and was in the crossfire of a random act of violence. She endured eight gunshots to the torso through her back and was rushed to SLU Hospital that day. She underwent many major surgeries just in the first week. Um, you know, she did die and was brought back to life. They refilled her whole body with blood several times just to keep her going. And um, no one expected her to eat, walk, be unplugged from a machine, survive at all. Um, but she refused to let that happen. <laughs> she refused to not dance, apparently, too. <laughs> that, too, yes. She is back to dancing already. And so it's been now uh, two and a half years, mm-hmm. just about, since the incident. Yeah, actually, a, a year on the dot after her shooting, she coined the term her renaissance, and um, she was at dance class at the ballet bar doing plies and tendus like nothing has happened. So she had been a pretty established part of the dance community yeah. in St. Louis? well-loved. Um, taught at many dance studios, oftentimes donating her time to musical theater productions for kids to offer choreography and foster the next generation. She is truly a talented teacher and inspiring even before this story was starting to unravel. Before she was the subject of such a sort of tragedy and like uplifting recovery too. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So this story just um, exacerbated all of those um, things about her, about how she doesn't give up, and it just kept the whole community going. It's hard enough to be a dancer when you're not in recovery from a random act of violence, let alone having to go through this this sort of incident tragedy. So it sounded like also that the community, I don't know, I don't know what came first. I want to explore that with you, but the, it, the community rallied around her in the wake of this. Yes. Um, immediately her family um, was rallying the news team to get the word out about what was going on, and they made a benefit concert. They did a golf tournament for raising funds. Um, but what I did, alongside many mutual friends who are artists, we decided to use specifically our arts talents just to help offset the costs and um, bring together the siloed efforts um, for RAIN, which eventually grew bigger than RAIN. It, it was really starting to become something for the entire city. You were involved from the get-go? Was yeah. This, was this your baby? Or yes. Your, your effort, I guess? That you yeah. Took yeah. Yeah. So uh, how it actually started, I had me and my husband were going to do a production at this uh, small theater in Midtown called Satori Theater. And 
we were, I don't even remember what the topic was, but once Rain was shot, I went directly to the theater director and I said, I want to scrap my idea. Um, can we throw the proposal in the trash and use this space of artistic voices to raise money for Rain? Her money was getting, her funds were getting to the millions for being in the hospital for so long. Um, but also, it slowly started to grow into wanting to educate the community on the violence that is constantly desensitizing our news and the people that live here. You, you had the space to m make space for rain. Right. Um, and I, I don't anticipate that you had any sort of resistance to, to adding rain to the reason to have this, this performance. No. Well, when, when I first started growing it, she wasn't even conscious or she wasn't able to talk because she was hooked up. She didn't know what happened. She didn't know why she was in the hospital for a good amount of time. So I was working very closely with her family to make sure that when we are talking about this subject, I'm not dragging them through something they don't want to be a part of. I am so thankful for the Stipic family to be supportive every step of the way past rain survival, past her getting to the next step of her recovery, and then continuing this journey through a nonprofit that kind of goes beyond rain, but is named. So I, I wanted to be very sensitive to that, and they were very supportive. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've kind of established um, how this came to be, but how, how did you come to be? N not originally, but, but, <laughs> well. but as a dancer who had a performance in a, in a venue mm -hmm. to give to Rain's cause and then, you know, have something that you could grow beyond that, um, wh where did you come from? What is your own personal background and story? Well, uh, my husband and, my, and Rain all graduated from Webster University, so we all had a very strong technical performance background. Um, I'm originally from Ohio. But when I came here for university, I decided to stay. I also married the love of my life, who is a St. Louis um, resident. And um, I was struggling with myself personally before Rain, what the role of a dancer is to me. I had this idea that you had to be a certain size, you ate a certain thing, you hung out with a certain type of people, um, and you were forced to be poor for your art. And it got harder and harder and harder for me to realize what that label meant to me as a dancer and how I was gonna make it fulfilling for myself. I just, I didn't feel quite right. I, I tried company dancing, I tried company managing, I tried managing a dance studio. And then once rain was shot, it was almost like I had, I had to find my low. I had to shatter all those labels of who I was as a mover as well as a person. So when I put back the pieces that really mattered to me, I could be exactly who I wanted to be. Was it a um, reason for dancing thing that, that was a gap for you or a viability of dancing as a career kind of thing? Being a dancer is, is a double-edged sword of something that you need to have in your life, but it is also the sickness leeching the energy from you. It doesn't sound great, but it's this, it's this weird 
motivation of I have to move every day because I am human and alive and breathing and movement is everything. But the toxicity of the community and the historical conceptions of what dance is, I, I decided to shatter. Um, I, I did have very many uh, toxic habits as a dancer of overworking, um, dancing for my teacher or dancing for my choreographer opposed to dancing for me, um, uh, body issues, existential issues of like, okay, I'm injured for X amount of months and I can't dance. How am I supposed to survive? How can I still be a human when I've only been doing dancing since I was five? That's the only constant in my life. So I don't know if I answered the question. I'm just on a tangent. <laughs> no, you're good. So you, uh, you said that there are things that are toxic about the ways that dancers are um, uh, about the community in general. Mm -hmm. um, and I can sort of project what those might be, mm -hmm. but um, it sounds like a lot of like accountability to the way that you're trained and the value that you, you create as a dancer and who you are and you know, body issue sorts of things. Yeah, today the idea of a lifestyle for a dancer has changed so much. Um, I believe most universities are not allowed to do weigh-ins anymore. So um, I've heard of my teachers who would, it, it didn't matter how tall you were, you had to be a certain number on the scale to be able to go onto stage. Um, so I think the self-care and the wholeness of dancing has shifted. It's, I think, more of my own idea. I had to break it myself because um, not all dance is toxic. It's really what you make of the world. So it was my personal journey of understanding how to be healthy as a human and a dancer. Had you had you hit that bottom point before Rain's incident? Were you in the process of sort of reevaluating your life as a dancer at that point as well? Yeah, I was fresh out of college. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I had these small gigs and, and, you know, we're a very small city, so our companies aren't large scale that's touring the world. And ever since I was five, that was the image I had in my head. And I had to let that go of, okay, I'm, I'm not paying all my bills with my dance career. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm not traveling the world. I'm not a certain size. I'm not the best in the room and uh it wasn't fulfilling I didn't I felt like creating art was so selfish and I needed that for some point in my life but I was done creating a piece of art on my ideals and I wanted to make sure what I created further was actually going to make a difference in the world around me whatever that may mean so I was already kind of exploring that, but I don't think I had the words for it. And, and there's a, an aspect, it sounds like, of understanding now that there's, a, there's something that you can hook onto that's gonna do real good for the world, mm -hmm. despite all of the, you know, the rest of the hangups or the rest of the, any kind of arts community, now you had a reason to, to, to hook onto something mm -hmm. bigger. Um, what what was the Satori Theater 
program that you had put together that you sort of threw out? I don't even Heard rem- you remember. <laughs> I can't even remember what our proposal fulfilled with. It was um, uninspiring, honestly. I, I mean, I think we were just going to do it because our proposal was accepted. And Satori Theater is a space for young emerging artists to um, grow their craft underneath a little bit of mentorship under Tom Brady. And um, yeah, what we created out of something such, I feel is very uninspiring. Um, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I had to start from this lackluster spot to be able to move forward. No, not Satori, but not the Satori. mental spot. Right? My <laughs> mental spot of like, I'm creating to create and there's no purpose. Um, How far into the planning were you when the incident happened? Because it, there's a, about a six month gap between the incident and when the festival opened for the Mm -hmm. first time? So I would say once rain was shot, it probably took me about two or three months to even pick myself up again. I went to work and home through this zombie state. I stopped dancing. I stopped moving. I stayed in the basement all the time. So everything was kind of on hold at Satori. All we really had was the written proposal. We didn't have any choreography. We didn't have any dancers or anyone really supportive. And when I finally was able to pull myself out of the depths, not on my own, my husband did a whole lot of pushing. we, we just hit the ground running. I'm so thankful for Satori to be able to host that space, but not only that, we grew out of that space. And from there, the Satori Theater was too small to hold Madco, Big Muddy, um, St. Louis Symphony Players, universities, uh, students of Reigns, and we actually moved to the Grandel Theater. That first year? The first year, because One day I'm having a meeting with the Satori manager and he's like, hold on, how big is your, how many people are going to be coming through this small space? And we realized logistically Satori was no longer um, a viable option. We weren't going to be able to house just the theater people, let alone um, audience members. So he did a call to Chris Hansen at Cranberg Arts Center, uh, Cranberg Arts Foundation, and they said, yeah, we'll give you at the smallest cost that we could possibly do um, and, and house this event so it'll be successful for rain. And yeah, it, it was so surprising. For like a very short amount of time, we didn't know where we were going to go. We had a festival. We had all these organizations, universities, and we didn't have a theater space that would hold them until the Grandel opened their stage. And, and I want to I step through this because you made that happen not you, but you with partnership yeah, and support yeah. from the community. I mean, that happened within an incredibly short period of time. Not only to pull that off, but to pull that off with a venue switch is a, is a major deal. Yes, yes. I mean, honestly, I just piggybacked on all of the amazing people that Rain already had relationships with. She was in the dance community. She worked with people in universities. She had students that cared about her. And all I did was invite all of them into one space. So yes, it's a lot of work, but 
Rain did all the work for me before. <laughs> um, what, what was that first year like? Because it spanned a couple of weekends, right? Yeah, it was huge. It was exhilarating. I had news teams. I've never talked to the news. Like, I'd never been on stage and had to talk in a microphone. I've only danced with my body. So it was a whole new world. And I think really what only got me through when it got tough, when I was tired, when I was up at the middle of the night stressing out, I would just think about Rain still in that hospital bed, and she is working a thousand times harder than I am, and that's what's going to keep me going. And um, that was just that year. Now I have a whole city to care about and be inspired by. So, yeah. <laughs> um, had you even conceptualized of this being a, I mean, a whole city thing? It was. I know it was all focused that first year on rain, but mm-hmm. um, if it was me managing this, there would be no time even to think about. Oh, let's take a step back and think about like how are we going to structure the finances and, and oh. organize everything. Um, did you did you make a nonprofit of it from the get go, or was that a sort of like oh this was really cool let's do it again and make a thing out of it? After rain's shooting, it really opened my eyes to the violence that is in St. Louis right now. Uh, and not even right now, it's historically rooted back hundreds of years. And until it affects you, it's almost like this background noise. I've lived in very, um, I've lived in Webster for Webster University, and that's a relatively very safe space. So I'd never ventured out of these specific communities that were um, plagued by all this hostility and pain. So after rain, I was like, wait, rain's not the only one. Of course not. There are so many other communities being hurt by this violence. So I, I mean, I literally talked to anyone who would share their wisdom with me. I spoke with FBI agents, uh, Victim Advocacy Center, Alive and Well uh, communities, anyone that worked in these fields, police officers, just so I can get an understanding of why. Um, cause I was for myself trying to make myself feel better. Why did this happen? But the more I thought about it, if more people knew about why these things happen and it's not random incidents, these are happening in every community. It doesn't matter what street you're on. Um, if you're black, white, tall, short, a police officer, a grocery store manager, violence hits everybody. And when one act of violence hits one person with a bullet, that bullet doesn't pierce just that victim, also their family members, their loved ones, their friends. So there's so much trauma in this city, it just needs to be brought forward. So for you personally, though, I mean, that's a, it's a big jump. That's a lot. From, yeah. from being, uh, and I have to acknowledge before we started recording, that there was some flipping happening and <laughs> some tapping. Uh, yeah, of as, a, as, a, as a dancer who, you know, you, you said a minute ago that you, you have to be on the move. Mm-hmm. I guess in a sense, this is, this is you staying on the move, but mm-hmm. mobilizing a different part of yourself. What, what was it, I guess, that caused you, I mean, I know the incident, yeah. but, but you, you can support Rain without going to talk to FBI agents. Yeah. You could do something for her that just helps her recover um, without having something in yourself that that makes you go beyond what you were before. 
So when I was driving home from the Grand Elf Theater, that, that first event, I feel like I finally found, okay, what can a dancer do? Because I had this idea, okay, a dancer can dance on stage and make an evening nice. But I found that with my training in dance and my life experiences in dance, I could mobilize a lot more than just a show. Um, so I, I use my movement to entice and, and mobilize the arts community, the passionate people in the arts community, the resources in the arts community to aid the violence. Um, I, I just, I feel like when, after Rain's incident, it just, it was almost like the, the shells fell out off my eyes and I just saw the city in a whole different way. And it was like knowing I couldn't unknow what I knew. I couldn't go back to my house knowing that rain is fine, but there are families still hurting without the resources, without the education and knowledge. So I felt like it was a duty. I had to keep going. The thing that um, I have here in my notes to, to talk about and sort of puzzle through is how do you marry something that to me is a joyful experience with something that is so world ending like yeah. random acts of violence how do you reconcile that marrying that question with the notion of um the difficulty that everybody has that wants to champion a cause in making that cause important to other people um is is dance, I guess, and your your passion for that as a as a visual medium, the the answer or the way to create that awareness? Yes, dance and visual arts is men, but I have felt so many emotions and learned so many things from performances and artists that I wouldn't be able to learn at a seminar or in a classroom. There is just something about art and someone's way of communicating through paint, sculpture, or their body that goes deeper than your understanding. It goes into your emotions and it just infiltrates your whole body in understanding whatever the artist is trying to say. So we really focused on, on that communication aspect. Um, Yes, it's life ending. Yes, it's terrible and, and deep and heavy. But we also focus on celebrating St. Louis arts. We celebrate how the arts are creating positive experiences, how the arts are creating um, new ways of life for people who are hurting or going down a path that they may even recognize they're not supposed to be going down. So it's a powerful tool. And I believe 100% in it. What was that first year like? And then I want to get into the programming and the fact mm. that it's, it, it's um, a recovery tool and an outreach tool wrapped into one, these visual arts um, mm. initiatives that you have. What was that first, all the, all the different programming, all, all the interest that you had in that first year of the festival, what did that look like? Unfortunately, when I look back at that first six months time between rain shooting and, and the, 
the actual production in September of 2017, it was very painful. I had a very terrible reaction and I did not handle the shooting well. My body shut down. I um, stopped eating, I lost weight. Um, I was overwhelmed by the stress and overwhelmed by that label that I was a dancer or that label that I was young or the label that I only had an undergraduate degree. So I felt like I couldn't do anything, but I kept proving to myself that I could. So it was, a, a, the first year was really just fighting with myself to just let me do what I know I can do. In contrast to all the pain I was enduring and fighting with myself, I also found the people that really mattered and uplifted me and uplifted people around them that it was really refreshing to just go from a blank slate and go all the way to this community of passionate people. So the friends that helped put on the show, the random people I would meet for meetings that would be happy to talk to me for however long at whatever coffee shop. Um, so it was inspiring to have a little bit of faith in humanity again, because it seemed very, very bleak at, for some time. Yeah. What was the turnout like for the first event? The turnout was amazing. Uh, so we had two, two weekends. The first weekend was actually at the Marcel Theater, a slightly small theater, but we filled the house. Um, I would say 100 people the first weekend, and we had about two and a, 200 people the second weekend in the Grand L Theater. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for a short period of time. Yeah, 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 really. And again, going back to this this venue change and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I know, or at least what I've read of the festival that's coming this year, it's changed um, a, a lot. Um, so what were the performances like? What, what was the, the content that you had put together for that first year, for the 2017 version? Honestly, the first year I was like, can anyone bring anything to go on this <laughs> stage so we can help rain? I didn't have a whole lot of organization or even central vision. I left it up to the artists and the companies to come in with what they wanted to say on the issue. Um, we had tappers that were dynamic and exciting and, and uplifted the show. And then we had um, very moody, emotional pieces um, performed by the students of Rain, so we covered all of the emotions in in the theater. So after that first year, um, I mean, suddenly you're a project manager, you're an event planner. Um, what what happens? Do you go all right? Let's do year two, same same time frame. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, I got my now I've got some energy and now right. you know, we've got some wind in our sails kind of. Yeah, so I just thought that if I just copied and pasted everything into the next year, it would just grow. Um, we did have supporters, we did have uh, funders, but the turnout was depressing. The For second, the second year? The second year was oh. terrible because I didn't know what I was doing. I just assumed that if I just rode on Rain's story and her tragedy that people would continue a year later giving money or giving their attention to our projects. So the second year I would say is almost a, I don't want to say failure because I learned so much. Um, it was just a big learning experience. That's yeah. all it was. I, I had to stumble a little bit to go forward and I am 
stronger than ever this year and more excited than ever to um, get the word out. We know what we're talking about. It's beyond rain, it's for the city. So it took a long time to really streamline what we wanted to do separate from rain and let rain be her own person. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- without that personal hook, I can understand. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think about this a lot. Uh, the, the notion that we can live in St. Louis, you can live anywhere that has endemic violence and be not immune to it, but tune it out because it's mm-hmm. not hooked on someone that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't hang your hat on uh, one personal experience, I can understand it would be harder to make that a compelling thing to say, you know, come out and support this overall concept, this overall community rather than this one specific person, which is counterintuitive in a sense, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time matches our natural desire for storytelling, I guess. Yes. So was it the same that second year? Was it the same setup? I mean, you said copy and paste, yeah. same, same location, two weekends. Well, I, I condensed it into one weekend to make it uh, easier on us. We did the same location. We did not fill that space. So um, it felt very empty and depressing. But, but <laughs> the people who were there were passionate. And the people who were there really believed in the mission. And I still had people say, just keep going. It's fine. It's year two. You have... 500 million more years ago. <laughs> the second book in a trilogy is <laughs> the, more, the more depressing. <laughs> yeah, yes. Expectations that everything will kind of fall on its own. I'm like, no, you've got to work five times harder to keep it going. From the minute that, that you and I were connected and I started seeing your social media, I mean, you're working really hard at the event that's coming up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not seem to me as though you have lost any of the support from the community from last year to this year. Uh, seems b- bigger than ever. It's definitely bigger than yeah. ever. Um, my biggest focus is unity. That's why it's capitalized in our name. Um, all I do is just talk to as many community members and, and listen to as many community members to hear how violence is in their in their world and what is their story and just the more that I listened the more I I felt like I was I was connecting with people instead of just sending a flyer to come to an event like everyone that's coming to our events this, this September I'm hoping that I know all their faces I'm hoping that if I don't know all their faces I will know all their faces because it's it's not just an event. We're not just filling up seats. These are people, and these are people being affected, and everyone has a story, and that story can be related and felt through art, and with that fire and with that feeling and emotion, that will catalyze the change. More people that know, then more people will be outraged that this is a norm. How much of the, the work that you've done over the last two years has been mm, not specifically tied to the festival. Because I know Community Arts St. Louis has other things, other programs that it, it runs, hmm. um, other initiatives that you have, other, other ways that you sort of like outreach to the community, listen to the community. Yeah, this is a very interesting story of how it came to be. So 
We wanted to be more than just a one-time festival because out of the 365 days, there's more opportunities to connect with people. There's more opportunities for tragedy to happen that we could actually help with the healing process. So I said, oh, I'm a dancer and I love kids and I'm good at teaching. Maybe I'll just teach art classes or dance classes or whatever I can do. But the more I looked around the city, I was like, there are already plenty of arts programs and dance programs serving the community. Why do I want to bring another program that's just going to compete for that small amount of grant money? So I really wanted to focus on uniting and finding a network between all these people. And when I kept talking to these organizations, focusing on um, how they want to give back, there are all these tuition and scholarship options for at-risk families or low-income families. But I found out that they are going to waste because there's no transportation. There was no way for the kids to get there. Maybe the parents didn't have the support or lifestyle that able to give them the freedom to leave work and take them to a program. So uh, we're launching this fall Community Arts Bus Cab. And this program is focusing on mobilizing the arts community and their resources um, to provide new ways of life for youth that have been survivors of violence. Victims or survivors of violence are four times more likely to re-enter the system either again as a victim or as a perpetrator. So if we are able to make positive experiences and positive life goals for these kids that they get to choose, then we are lessening the cycle, lessening the likelihood of this cycle to be repeated. I just personally have a red Chrysler town and country van and I'm going to fill the car up with as many kids as possible. I have um, several organizations spread out through the community, through St. Louis, so all the way up in North City, all the way to South City, through stepping, dance, visual arts, theater, poetry, and one of the biggest things I wanted to make sure is that the, the survivor, the child, gets to choose what program. Because dance is my medium, that's what I connect with. But I can't expect that every other person feels most comfortable in dance. So giving them the power of the choice of what they wanted to do was really uh, integral to the building of this program. Um, and then we're partnering with Life Outside of Violence, uh, The Love Project. It's a three hospital initiative that provides resources to youth between the ages of eight and 24 um, who have entered the hospital system with a stabbing, gunshot wound, or assaulted. So we are already just focusing on supporting initiatives that are already here. Why make another thing? All we want to do is support others. I want to make sure that I get this community arts bus concept right. Mm -hmm. This is literally um, you going to pick up survivors of violence to take them so that they can participate in these workshops. Yes, um, and not workshops. They're session long so it'll be like maybe a full year of dance um maybe there's the fall session of a visual arts program called artworks 
um, down on Delmar, and that's actually a paid uh, program. So the kid will learn the skills of visual arts, grow their craft, and make money doing it. So um, we also make sure we cover the costs of any extra things like supplies. Uh, we did a pilot program this summer with one kid who came to my dance studio, and I felt it was very important for her to have a leotard just like the other girls. Very important for her. Some days she was hungry, so I went and bought her tacos because she can't go into the dance class without fueling herself. So those little extra things that a tuition scholarship won't cover, we want to cover. How much can you scale that, the community arts bus? I mean, I know it hasn't launched yet. You've yeah. just done the pilot, but... Um, but what do you hope to do with that program? Well, I have I have six extra seats in my car. <laughs> so that means six kids a day. And that, of course, has a cap on it. But I also have a very passionate group of volunteers and, and board members I like to call community artists. It doesn't matter if their skill is painting or whatever, or they don't identify as artists anyways. But I think artists are... Um, just passionate people that want to see the world be amazing. Um, but I'll start growing simply by asking more volunteers to open up their SUVs and vans for more kids. Um, here at Medici Media Space, um, in our business strategy sessions, one of the ideas was to partner with some organization like Lyft. Um, that, I think, is far away in uh, Horizon. Um, I think we can scale it with just our volunteer base for now, but when we need to break that ceiling, we're going to break it. I'm not going to let anything stop. Um, there, there has to be a sort of pr proving yourself, I guess, pr proving that it's something that can be invested in, that, mm. that is going to be a good investment before you can make those partnerships, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the same sense that you know, that first year success of the festival was fueled by what everybody knew of Rain, mm -hmm. who they knew her to be. It was something that they already could believe in. Same thing would be true for this new community arts bus mm -hmm. initiative. Yeah. You do it, and then they will come. But they have to have a reason, I guess, to come. Yes. Yeah. I think our, our focus on measurables for this is simply we don't want them to go back to the hospital and we don't want them to send anyone to the hospital. Um, I want empowerment for every child enrolled in this program, and I want them to find their passion. And even if they decide the arts isn't the right choice, maybe it's sports, maybe it's computer sciences, I still want to be a part of moving them towards a healthy path. I believe the arts are wonderful, but I can't assume that that's the right path for everyone. Um, there are a couple other things that I know of that you're, you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, the Young Arts Workshop. The Young Artist Workshop is our fundraiser. Um, the first year, it was immensely successful. It was our biggest money maker, and it was just another way for kids to dance. And we're specifically reaching out to studios we already have connections with. We're all dancers, me, Rain, my husband, and my husband has been a huge 
part in building the Young Artist Workshop, but um, we reach out to studios and say, can you get 10 kids? Get 10 kids, we'll give them a special. And these studio owners are so passionate. We're, they're leading into a brand new season for school and dance, and they're still making the time to support this cause. Um, and the kids get so much out of it. Um, especially in the competition dance world, sometimes dancers can get caught up in the competitiveness of it or trying to get a trophy or being the best or having the highest leg. And this is a, a place where the dancers can just dance and know that they're dancing for something other than a plastic trophy. They're dancing towards a program that will make their city um, heal or make this city a place that they can grow up in and not be afraid on the streets. Hmm. I'm having trouble envisioning what, that, what, what those workshops look like as fundraisers for you. So, th so these are students of studios that exist in the St. Louis area already mm -hmm. yeah. that are choosing to participate in an additional workshop that you, you run with your husband and Rain? Uh, yeah, so um, many competitive studios expect their students to do additional training on, on top of their classes that they are committed to with their studios. Um, it makes them a well, more well-rounded dancer. It helps with networking and um, being exposed to different choreographers makes you more resilient and flexible. <laughs> but um, with your profession. And so we, the first year we made a point of all of our teachers being from out of town, except for my husband. Um, he was the only in-town St. Louis choreographer teacher. We had um, a hip hopper from So You Think You Can Dance, who is returning again this year. Marjorie Filoni, she works at Broadway Dance Center and was in the opening cast of Margaritaville on Broadway. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then this year we're inviting actually another friend of Rain's who was a graduate of Webster University who has toured the world with um, Eisenhower Dance uh, Company. So bringing outside experiences into St. Louis to um, inspire the young artists to try something different and, and dance for a cause and dance for their city. How many of those have you done? This will be our third this Saturday. <laughs> third, third overall, not third year of doing it. Third overall. We yeah. do it once a year. Okay. Um, and this year, which I'm really excited about, is that not only are they going to get workshops, they're also going to get an audition opportunity. So even if they aren't able to um, perform with the piece that is being chosen for the audition, it's a opportunity to practice auditioning at a young age. But if they are chosen, they get to have original work set on them by out-of-town choreographers, and they will be performing at the community arts concert um, on the same stage as Rain in September. All of this is very big. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all, and it it's gets all really, Yeah, yeah, it does. But but I'm uh, uh, what what I personally can wrap my head around is very small, achievable things. 
what you're talking about are very big initiatives. Uh, you, you have a board behind you. Can you talk about your, your board and where they came from? Because I know not, or at least I think I know from, from the community website, um, that not all of them are local. Correct. Yeah. Um, the first year when I needed to create a nonprofit, I just had friends be on the board. Um, they were all passionate people, but um, in the beginning, it was really more focused on helping rain. And now it's really expanded beyond rain. Um, there are still friends of rain's. Like we have um, the, our, our producer for the show, Lionel Christian, who's in New York. He actually just turned down the Labor Day parade job to focus a little more on the festival this year. Wow. Um, and my dad, who's a financial advisor, he's in Ohio, so he helps us with the financial parts. But the most integral part of the voices, I wanted to make sure the board reflected our community. And at first, it was just young, millennial, white women. <laughs> all dancers or all have had a dance class, very common thread there. But now we have um, a nurse at Children's Hospital who is excited to bring her artistic love and talents alongside her nursing career and bridging those gaps. We have um, a young police officer um, who is very passionate for the community and very upset with the, the relationship the city has with the police force and how we can nurse that back to something healthy. And the police force being tired, overworked, and hurting um, and ho hoping to help them out. Um, yeah, it, it, I just keep looking for more voices that can balance my art, artist view. And I need multi-generational, I need colors, genders, sizes, professions to um, reflect the communities that we are serving. So it's growing, it's not 100%, but I think it'll just always be evolving through time. So back to the festival, which is coming in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, th there are workshops, there are resources and things. There, um, there are, I don't know, I don't remember the, the language that you used, but it sounds like, a, like at the end of the first day, a symposia on violence in St. Louis. Let me tell me about the programming that's coming up. On Saturday, September 7th, we will be at Intersect Arts Center from 11 a.m. to about 6.30 p.m. And the goal of the festival is to be accessible to all communities, to not have any barriers, including a fee or a ticket, so everyone is welcome to come. We have performances by local arts organizations, specifically with youth, so um, future CAB participants can see what options there are to sign up for and try out. Oh. So it, and it's not just for our CAB participants, we have um, community members that don't know what is available out there. So I really want to bring the resources, bring the programs to the front of the community's mind so they know what's here. Because there is so much good that's happening. And that's the more that I work on this, uh, in this nonprofit is that I find so much good and I want to focus on the good. So we have those performances all day that are focused on being interactive as well as performative. We also have a resource fair with 
um, Violence Prevention Commission, Damsel in Distress, uh, Safe Connections, basically any of the resources in the city that focus on issues such as food, housing, um, safety that contribute to the violence. It is multifaceted. There's so many reasons why the violence is in our city, but with all of these resources spread out by bringing it under one roof, I hope that everyone that walks through our doors leaves with a little more sense of power within their community because they have the community behind them. Um, we also have um, workshops. So there's a damsel in distress workshop. So women can learn how to do some self-defense to give them a little more empowerment there. There's a conversation on community policing with Violence Prevention Commission. So it's, it's more than sitting up and listening to someone talk. It's a conversation so community members can be a part of it. Um, we have arts classes. There's going to be a dance class. Um, this, th I met this lady yesterday. Her, her program is called Lou Kids, and they're going to show a dance and then teach the community to dance alongside them. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, just breaking that barrier of what a stage is and inviting everyone to be a part of the arts process and a part of the celebration. Uh, the last part of the day is our... Um, film. We reached out to the documentary The Sweetest Land that was filmed in Hartford, Connecticut, and it followed the city's path on how they turned around their violence problem. And it really focuses on what solutions worked, and we invited the director to come out after the screening to also have a discussion with our officials, with our community members, with arts organizations, to make sure that all of our efforts and our funding and money are actually going towards something that'll work. Um, and we're different from Connecticut. So we got, we got to make adjustments for what our city needs, but um, learning from, from other successes will be our first step towards solutions. I've just made you recite the entire <laughs> agenda of the festival. I'm surprised too. I know it. There's so much. And obviously for anybody that wants to... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to go read it. The, the, uh, keep me honest here, communityartsstl.org is where the festival agenda and schedule are. Yes, you will find all of the details. And that's just the first day. That's our free accessible day. Um, one thing I didn't mention is that we're inviting pot bangers. Um, it's this wonderful, wonderful, spirited woman named Mama Cat who feeds unhoused family members homeless people but she calls them her unhoused family and she's going to barbecue during the day and anyone who wants to enjoy a meal can enjoy art and nourish their body with good food because she believes that the community gathers around food and heals and connects around food so that was a huge thing and I'm so glad I met her to um, make that a part of the festival as well this is really um changed from the first year oh yeah i, I mean f fundamentally yeah um uh, hanging your hat on on one particular incident you've really changed the thesis it seems like to let's make this a venue for listening to the community and mm -hmm. allowing them to learn yes. what op options are available to abate 
the problems that St. Louis has. Mm -hmm. If we don't understand, how can we do anything about it? If we don't know what the problem is. Do you envision that this is the way it'll stay? No, it's always going to grow bigger and better every time. I just can't imagine what it is. I I, I can't visualize what it's going to be, but yeah, I don't imagine any sort of stagnant in any of my future. <laughs> I have on in my notes for our conversation the, the word hope circled here, hmm. which is an important concept to explore when you're dealing with things that are not happy. It's easy to not have hope that things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, your answer tells me, the I guess, the answer to that question, which is that you do have hope that, that things will change and get better. Yeah. Um... It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be the whole city at once. But if I can help one person towards an understanding, towards healing, towards being effectively be able to communicate with the people around them, that's, that's good enough for me. Because one person and then the next person, and it'll just grow. Do you have stories that you can share about um aside from rain obviously because <laughs> uh, we've talked about her a lot um not, not that we shouldn't talk more of course but yeah. uh, but uh, other stories that uh you know whether that's the cab pilot student that you know went to your studio over the summer or or other ways that you've helped folks i just it honestly feels like one long never-ending story <laughs> um I have several meetings a day, several meetings a week with more inspiring people. Um, One person that comes to mind, her name is um, Dr. Lori Punch, and she is a trauma surgeon, and she, on top of her demanding job as a surgeon, she is teaching free classes through Stop the Bleed for community members to know how to save a loved one before the EMS gets there. So stopping that bleed for the 15 minutes that you have to wait for the emergency. And I mean, I think my dance job is tiring. I can't imagine what police officers, emergency responders who have a tiring day, and not only that, they see a very traumatic day and they still have the energy to pull themselves out of bed and do something beyond monetary, beyond self-indulgent, just for their community. So it's really just the people that I meet that just keep inspiring me. And there's a story every day. I'd bore you with all the stories and details. We wouldn't be able to fit it all in. (laughs) I'd cut it all out, but I'm still curious about it. Okay. Uh, And I I want to acknowledge that I asked the wrong question there Mm. Um, because of the way that you've talked about community arts is is not about what you're doing for the community Mm. or the way, the way that you have told the story of it. It is about the education that you can give to others, the voice that you can give to other efforts, um, you know, like the stop the bleed campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's not a story about something that you've done, except in in the ways. Yeah, it's a person you've met, and a and a way in which you you can help facilitate connections to the community. Yeah, 
And I never, um, try, I never, I make sure I never come off that I know everything and I know really anything. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I know it. I always bring in specialties from each community. I am a dancer, so I can talk about being a dancer. A surgeon's gonna be able to talk about being a surgeon. Um, so it's, it's a group effort of bringing all the stories together. Um, yeah, if we're, if we're together, we can make a change. What a good sentiment to end on. <laughs> Thank you, Paige. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited for the festival coming up this year and for everything that you, can, you can do for the community. Thank you. Thank you. I am too. <laughs> good. Episode 17 of You May Contribute a Verse, featuring my conversation with Paige Walden Johnson, founder of Community Arts St. Louis, is complete. Thank you to Paige for sharing her verse and for the ways she has expanded her extremely generous spirit to encompass the whole of St. Louis. The previous episode in the Verse Show feed was a mini-episode giving time to the victims of the recent El Paso and Dayton mass killings. It's easy to feel powerless in the face of hate and wanton violence, but one thing you can do is be educated. Please consider attending the Free Community Arts Festival on Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th. For more information on the festival or the concert that follows or the other programs we discussed, go to communityartsstl.org or find Community Arts STL on Facebook or Instagram. You May Contribute a Verse is a homespun production produced, edited, recorded, conceptualized, and marketed by me, Josh Munkin, from the darkness and comfort of my basement. The title of the show comes from the last line of the Walt Whitman poem, O Me, O Life, depicting a familiar struggle with the futility of it all and why we should still try. Engage with the show on Twitter at Verse Show. That's V-E-R-S-E-S-H-O-W. I'm on Twitter at Josh Monk Words, all one word. When I remember to use it, the hashtag Verse Show is where you'll find discussion of the show on Twitter or Instagram. The artwork for You May Contribute a Verse is text overlaid on a photo by Alex Ivey on Unsplash. There's a lot more high-quality free usage imagery at unsplash.com. The show's theme is A Tragic But Happy Horse, the eponymous track from the album by Robbie Czar. Robbie is wonderful. Engage with his music and musings at partist.com. That's P-A-R-T-I-S-T dot com. Please subscribe, give us a rating, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. My aim with this show is to highlight creators I value and in doing so encourage both them and you to create art for yourself in the world. Word of mouth is my marketing method of choice. It's both the best and only way for me to increase the show's audience and profile and the best way to give me feedback about how it's going. And finally, remember the answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse.